Tim Spall's playing an artist again, Joel Kinnaman's an informer, and Aaron Taylor-Johnson's in a million little pieces. I'm Van Connor, this is Off Screen, and here's Seven Days of Movies. Boom. Welcome to Off Screen, I'm Van Connor. Joining me this week... The always fun. Miss Rebecca, perfect. Welcome back, Bex. Welcome. I'm here as a little bit of a rescue for you because you're not <laughs> feeling tip-top today, are you, Van? No, no. This weather has kind of gotten me down. I'm like yeah. sleeping in front of open windows and things. The and... irony of you oh. getting ill from a fan because of the hot weather. You're getting the cold. <laughs> it's so bizarre. <laughs> it is. It's one of those weird, weird sort of first world problems, isn't it? Yes, it but, is a little uh, bit, yeah. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get on to some movies. We're going to start with what's out of the cinemas this week. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're going to start with, get this, Tim Spall's playing an artist again. What? I know. This is like a weird niche he's found himself in. I know, I know. I do love a bit of Timothy Spall, though. So, Mrs. Lowry and Son, which is about the relationship between L.S. Lowry and his elderly mother, who is sort of bedridden, she's played by Vanessa Redgrave. Right. And he's played by Timothy Spall. And it's basically, she doesn't believe in his artistic dreams. He just wants to be appreciated as a great artist in his time. And uh, she also has a fascination with the hooking him up with their new female neighbour. It's played a little bit like Mr. Turner meets the lady in the Van. Ivory black, vermilion, Prussian blue, yellow ochre. Crowds can be the loneliest of places. They haunt me. The lonely souls. Ghosts. It ain't a popcorn picture, you know what I mean? I think it's a snooze fest. <laughs> <laughs> this is the weird thing about it, because it's gorgeous to right. look at. Right? It is very stage playish, and it has been adapted from a stage play. Oh, um, always trouble when these kind yeah. of movies happen. And it's basically one of those where they kind of just inserted flashbacks and fantasy sequences into what is otherwise obviously a stage play. It's just like, why don't I just go to the theatre? Well, that's the thing as well, because it's tonally so odd. I loved the tone of it. It's was quite, quite quirky. But the tone of it does seem to be specifically aimed at a very specific audience who would have seen the play. Right. So it's it's kind of an odd one. It's it's very good, but this is not something everyone's going to enjoy. So Lowry, if I'm right, if my my history of art knowledge <laughs> is Which will be correct, better than mine. I well, he's the guy that did the little stick stick kind of men yes. in like industrial backgrounds and exactly stuff. Exactly so that. Lots yeah. of little tiny characters, big uh, expansive space. Beautiful artist. Absolutely troubled. And- uh, mostly mommy issues, if we're honest. I've been jokingly calling this Tim Spall's Bates Motel. Right. But uh, it's obviously nothing like that. It's just in a, in a twisted, uh, quirky just, uh, Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think people or filmmakers or even playwrights, actually, yeah. find a subject and they go, just because this person is a well-known person, there must be a big story behind them that we can tell. And if it's just mummy issues, I mean... Surely a few people have that, and they're not having their story told. I'll tell you what, though. My friend Rob Yeoman, he, he worked on this. He was the production coordinator. Right. So I'm obligated to say that that was very well-coordinated production. T- Excellent. Top shelf. Excellent coordination. Excellent. It's good to know he's coordinated. And, and I will say there's a great <laughs> line of dialogue in it in which Vanessa Redgrave, talking about art critics, uh, says that people need to be advised it's mandatory. And that got such a laugh from a room full of film critics. Yeah. It was unreal. Do you know what? I think when you're throwing in someone like Vanessa Redgrave, mm. Timothy Spall, you kind of know what you're going to get in They're a movie like this. They are yeah. amazing, but equally you know what the tone of the movie is most likely going to be. So I can understand your sort of like, meh, 
of this? I mean, are you going to give it a thumbs up or? What, what? I, oh no, almost oh, absolute two thumbs up for me. I think it's a brilliant film on its own merits. I right, think the performances are terrific. But I do think this is this is not one that's for I feel like loving Vincent. It's yeah. really not something everyone's going to enjoy. No, and I think it's really important that we kind of say that. Like you can appreciate yeah. it for what it is. Yeah. But actually, are you going to go and rush to the cinema to go and watch this? Good movie. Yes, for everyone. Hell no. <laughs> uh, speak of, should we move on? Because we were we were expecting nothing. I think from our next one. So yeah. tell us about it. Go on. Okay, the next movie that we're talking about is A Million Little Pieces. It's based on a novel of the same name, which is an autobiographical novel um, by a guy called James Frey. And it charts his story, essentially, from when he hits rock bottom through to um, he, he kind of hitting a point in which he was about to totally destroy himself if something didn't happen to him. So he's, his brother checks him into a rehab centre for two months, and during that time he meets some very interesting people on his road to recovery. And it seems to me you might not have given it a try. Because there's no point. You know why? Because it's based around God, and I don't believe in God. God? Higher power, a power greater than yourself. Either way, however you want to put it, higher power, what you actually mean is God. Right? Mr. Fry, I'm going to level with you. We are a drug rehabilitation center whose sole purpose is to help addicts. (coughs) Not Christians or Jews or Muslims or Buddhists, but addicts. And every addict needs structure. They need a strong foundation and support system if they ever hope to survive. I'm not an addict. Mm. I'm not an addict. I actually really enjoyed this. I thought this had a lot going for it. Do you know what? We made we made quite a, a mean comment before going in where we, <laughs> where we basically said, well, Aaron Taylor-Johnson can't really get any good movies unless his wife's directing it. Which uh, unfair on our part, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, a comment, you know, and so we were a bit like, you know, what are we going to go and see? And actually, I'd read a couple of reviews beforehand that had kind of given this movie two stars. Mm. And I have to say, there have been a few addiction-based movies out this year, none of which affected me in the way that this movie did. Absolutely. Do you know what? I will agree with that. Yeah. I thought this had a lot going for it in terms of the, the perspective and the empathy it offered. Yes, and from a physical but also a psychological perspective. So uh, the thing is, right? The, the thing that you need to remember with this is that Sam Taylor-Johnson, the director of this movie, Aaron Taylor-Johnson's wife, Aaron Taylor-Johnson in this movie was playing James Frey in this. She, So Sam Taylor-Johnson basically used to be an artist. Mm-hmm. She then moved into filmmaking where she made films like Nowhere Boy, which is essentially where she met Aaron. And um, you expect with an artist like Steve McQueen or people like that who who were well-known artists to bring that artistry into their movie making. Oh, yeah, making. definitely. She kind of does. And, yeah. and sometimes that can be done in a gratuitous way because they are an artist and they think, I just need to put in a bit of artistic flair to this. There are very surreal artistic moments in this, but it absolutely complements the story. It fits, doesn't it? It fits beautifully. So, for instance, the opening credits were... Um, there is a waterfall of prescription drugs and a hand just reaches out and it's a very kind of surreal kind of feeling but it, it absolutely captures it and and there's there's all these different moments and it's it's hard hitting and gritty right from the start I will say this though I mean it even I mean, it offers that really unique sort of updated perspective mm. also I do love that every time we seem to get an addiction or uh, or camp kind of uh, reconversion kind of centre uh, movie it's always a period piece because you can't have smoking that much otherwise yeah <laughs> this like is set in like 1990 when this yeah. happened but um, 
Great cast in their supporting cast, though. Oh, my goodness. Um, yes, Billy Bob Thornton. How good is Billy Bob Thornton? He's fantastic oh, in this. Steals so it. He absolutely steals it. All, like, as I said, like there's lots of quirky characters that he meets on his road to recovery. So we've got Billy Bob Thornton in there. Giovanni um, Ribisi as well. Is, I love that guy. Is <laughs> excellent in this. Um, we've got Juliette Lewis, who you heard in the clip just there. And also we've got Charlie Hunnam as well. So if you're after a decent cast, these are like... 90s stalwart actors. And the interesting thing with Charlie Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam was originally the lead in Fifty Shades of Grey, which was Sam Taylor Johnson's last movie. Oh, oh, ah. oh yes. Let's Remember? forget that. Yeah, let's, let's forget that one. <laughs> and how badly do you think she tried to get Aaron Taylor Johnson in that role? Yeah, quite possibly. I could have imagined him, actually. Um, but to be honest, in this movie, he excels. He is very good in this. He's incredibly he? good in this movie. It's a movie that affects you. It's got a lot of heart to it. It's got a lot of... It, it takes you beyond that kind of film wall of what addiction is, but let's not push it too much because we don't want to upset our audience. It actually takes you to a point, and I'll talk about like right at the beginning, there's a plane scene where he wakes up and he's pouring a bottle of uh, mini bottle mm, of Jack, yeah. Jack Daniels down his throat. And the way he does that is how you would... I, I could imagine how he smelled. I can imagine <laughs> there's lots of things that it, it emoted from it. It's and a I very think, nuanced performance, isn't it? It really is. And I think it's a really accomplished one. And actually, going back to what we talked about before with Aaron Taylor Johnson, going, he, can't, he can only get, you know, put yeah. in movies. Where I think he needs to be in more movies. He's a very talented actor. I think he needs to be in more movies directed by his wife now. Well, yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> this is the benchmark. And no, <laughs> this is nowhere, boy. I think we need more like this. I was I was really shocked by how good this turned yeah, out. I did yeah. not expect much. It's I not know. an easy watch by any means. Not really, no. But I think uh, you compare this to stuff. Actually, I thought of something like The Beach when I watched this. You know, the, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio and Danny. Is it Danny Boyle's Danny The Boyle's Beach? Film, yeah. yeah. I thought of like moments like that surrealist kind of off kilter, yeah. uh, a tripping moment. Moments of withdrawal trips, you know, things like that. Uh, really blown away by it. Really yeah. shocked. Uh, yeah, really, really good movie. Not going to be for everyone, but definitely something worth checking out if you're looking at the cinema. Two thumbs up from you? Two very much thumbs up from me. Welcome back to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor. Bex Perfect with me as always. I am, yeah. So uh, let's keep it in the cinemas for a little while longer then. Let's talk about uh, some other films to come out this week. Okay, well, you're going to tell us a little bit about The Mustang. And uh, for some reason, I thought you were talking about The Sting. <laughs> <laughs> the Mustang just sounds like one of those movie titles that's been yeah. around a few times, as does like The Informer, which we'll talk about next yeah. as well. Um, this, I've, I've been waiting for this to come for a while because it's one of those that's, I think, had minor buzz on the festival scene okay. for its performances and its direction. And uh, this. <laughs> I heard nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I seem to find a lot of stuff on Instagram about this. It's, it's kind of weird. Okay. So this stars uh, Matty Shoes, Matthias Schoenart. Oh. And he is a convict with the brilliant name Roman Coleman. Oh, I mean, if that isn't a movie name. Movie yeah. convict name. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, it's up there with Cameron Poe, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so um, he is uh, he's a, he's a violent convict. He's got serious anger issues. He doesn't quite know his place in the universe. If he wants to be outside, if he's better off inside. He doesn't, just, he doesn't want to interact with human beings, full stop. And he begins to find something of a redemption in this convict program, which we learn at the beginning of the movie through printed text is actually a real thing. Um... We learn that uh, convicts are actually trainers for wild mustangs, which are rounded up as a form of population control by the U.S. government and sold at auction. Um, here's a clip of the kind of mind they would set about that. Is your freedom important to you? Is that something you think about? Are you listening to me at all, Mr. Coleman? Yeah. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, you're listening, or yeah, your freedom's important to you? I'm listening. Okay. Thank you. Just give me back that. Hey, 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 what? It's okay. Thank you. Sit down. Sit down. 
Sit down! I get it. You feel like you have no control in here. I get it. I understand that. I am giving you some control. That's what this is. And like it or not, you're going to be reintegrated into the general population. I'm not good with people. So that's batty shoes. So, sorry. Am I being stupid? What's a Mustang? Are you talking about the cars? No, the horse. The horse. The Mustang. Oh, okay. Because you were like wild Mustangs and I was like... Cars, yeah, they're pretty wild cars. I'm, I mean. I'm, I'm very curious about your version of westerns. <laughs> but well, no, but I like. I didn't know if it was a western. No, like, it's, it's not a, obvious. It's a, it's a western. Yeah. I was just. I just got a bit confused by it's all a that bonding between man and horse. Uh, oh, man, instantly, horse not that fast. Uh, actually, it's really good. I mean, there's something timeless about it. I mean, there's also something by the numbers and worn about it. But there's also something timeless about it. You can imagine John Wayne of starring in this, or Steve McQueen starring in a version of this, or Michael Douglas at one point starring. You know what? In a version I. Have got a totally different perspective on what this was. I haven't. I've seen nothing about this. This was just listening to yeah. what it's about. I thought it was some weird futuristic kind <laughs> of like thing where you got like weird flying cars or so something. Like am I on race, something this morning? Like, like I mean, death race meets Mac and me. Something, something a little like bit like that. There's something in the water. We, I don't know what I've been we drinking We need today. to write this movie back. This sounds insane. It sounds better than this one. I, I mean, that would. <laughs> It might, it might be, it might not. Actually, I quite liked Mustang. Beautifully shot. Yeah. Uh, just a fantastic score. Great uh, performance from Bruce Dern there as well, okay. who's, who's always a delight. He's sort of the, the guy who runs the uh, the prison uh, horse program. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really good movie. It uh, it overlapped weirdly with me in my mind with our next movie, though. Uh, which I'm well, really I was going to say, from one convict to another, yeah. um, we're going to talk about The Informer as well. And this follows the story of a former special operations soldier called Pete Coslow, who has been recruited by the FBI. He's also an ex-con, and he uses his covert skills to try and take down a guy called The General, um, who is essentially the most powerful crime boss in New York. Um, but things kind of don't quite go to plan when uh, the de- there's the death of an undercover cop. So suddenly Pete finds himself caught up in the crossfire between the mob and the FBI. He has to go back to prison, but he's also got to come up with a plan to escape from prison and also the clutches of the law and also the general to save himself and his family. This is bad business. Stozik tells me that the cop was pointing the gun in your face. You now owe the price of your life to Wojtek. How much is your life worth? You'll break your parole. Go back to prison. Anyone can get drugs inside. It's you. I want out. We go along with the general's plan. Evidence of fentanyl being methodically distributed inside a state prison buries the general for good. And if that happens, you're a free man. Okay, so first and foremost, I know I mentioned that he's a special ops, a previous special ops. It's not really explored or shown. It's not really, is it? Because I'd actually forgotten that bit until you mentioned it. Like, wow, she's making him sound so much more like Jack Bauer. Yeah, well, (laughs) if you listen to like our review of Angel Has Fallen last week, it kind of fits within that kind of realm. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's the cartel, but a, a Polish cartel in this, essentially, and drug kingpins and all this kind of stuff. That's more sort of feeling towards Sicario uh, kind of mo- movie. Also, the choice to use fentanyl as the narcotic as yes, well has yep. that edgy sort of Sicario kind of tone yeah, to it. Yeah, well, exactly. There is a lot going on in this movie. Don't get me wrong. Some of it doesn't really ever get uh, concluded, I suppose, in <laughs> no. it, which is slightly frustrating. But there's there's quite slow moments in it where you kind of think, "Oh, pick me back up again." But it does keep you entertained. It feels like. That there is a little bit of a resurgence of these kind of 90s-esque action, undercover, mm. cop 
NYPD style cop dramas. It's like your your, your triple nines. Yeah. What were the other ones I was thinking? Triple Nine and 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 contraband and movies yeah, like that. Yeah, it's it's stuff like that which I love, and I think. I think the, the good thing about this is that the cast is good, but it's not an A-list cast, so you forget who you're watching. I mean, the most well-known person probably in here is Rosamund Pike, if we're being honest. Probably now, yeah. Yes, yeah. And it also stars Joel Kinnaman, who uh, people recognise from Altered Carbon on Netflix, but also Suicide Squad, Robocop. Yeah, Robocop for me every time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it depends who you know and what you think, uh, you know, who you're sort of connecting to on this. It's also got the new Bond girl, Anna de Armas, in this. Yes, it does. It does indeed have Anna Man takes a little breath and he's like, it, it yes, indeed. it Although does. Although they, they just saddled her with the worst haircut you've ever seen. Well, in do you know movie. what? I actually quite liked it. I thought, oh, if I had curly hair, I'd love it to work like that. Like, um, I don't know how she fit through doors. That yeah, was it was large, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we digress. The thing is, is that it is a well-acted movie. It has a lot of suspense in it. it. Is. You say well-acted. Actually, I genuinely have never seen Joel Kinnaman this good in anything. Yeah. And I find him very bland. Sorry, please. Well, I, but also, I didn't really know a lot about Joel Kinnaman. I didn't really know that was him until I looked it up afterwards. Because I quite like just going in sort of blind a little bit to movies mm. sometimes. And I just took it on board and was like, you know, I have no previous recollection of what his movies are. But that doesn't matter because I'm not being, you know, swayed in any way to his ability. And I totally bought into his character as Pete Cosso. I totally bought into the fact that this massive kind of... Um, I suppose sort of t- the the element of him being torn. So he's trying to look after his family. He's trying to do the right thing by the FBI. He's trying to you know get over his ex convict status, but yet somehow he's still this special ops officer. So the only way way we know that is because he draws a load of angles to try and break out of prison, which is really which I thought was really clever for yes. a second. It took me it took me a second to figure out what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but no, I thought this only thing I'll say about this movie is I thought uh, Clive Owen was doing that usual Clive Owen phone it in thing, where I think he thinks he comes across as a lot more. Mis- mysterious and ominous a presence than he actually does offer yeah and i wasn't actually overly convinced by his american accent in this no i was just like dude what are you you like are you trying or he wasn't as sinister as his character probably could have been um there is a bit of a twist at the end uh, involving you know him and some of the other fbi situations and the thing is with that i was a bit like Meh. that kind of came out of nowhere to an extent yeah. and i didn't really care about it but i quite like Rosalind pike in it yeah i, I will say uh, to be honest uh, the movies this week i think i went into this week kind of going yeah. do you know what yeah it's a bit of a slow week for movies but i've actually been really pleasantly surprised it has been pretty good so informer how many thumbs up thumbs down i'm gonna give it a one and a half thumbs up i think it's not going to be for everyone but if you like that kind of i wouldn't even say it's kind of trash action it's 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 definitely got a lot more to it it's gritty it's got suspense it's got a lot of feeling to it you know you've got drug kingpings you've got prison you've got the fbi you've got all those kind of key elements that should make a good drama and i think it does follow through in it so you know for me it works i just don't think it's like a sicario standout we want to give a shout out to our friends at Runway East where we record this show. They're on a mission to provide the world's best office space for startup teams and, well, they're doing pretty damn well at it. I'm partial to the roof garden myself. Uh, they're in London Bridge, Soho, Moorgate, very zen places to work. Give them a peep at runwayea.st. That's runwayea.st. Welcome back to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. So, Miss Perfect, where should we head next? We're going to head to the small screen. But the big movie's on the small screen. Of course, a big movie, small screen. You can make those two works. Yes, two indeed. Works. To, to work. To work. <laughs> two works. So, <laughs> <laughs> we digress. We digress. So, seven days of movies to watch on TV. We've got a. Do you know what? It's a solid seven days. It's not a bad one, is it? So, uh, Saturday, five star. 
uh, 2.50 in the afternoon. It's, is it the 1990 or 1991-92? Oh, about? this is my childhood. Remake of Father of the Bride starring the one and only Steve Martin. Obviously, you're a fan. I am such a fan. Where is Steve Martin nowadays? Because I think he still looks the same as he did in the 90s. Just, you know, a few more lines. He looks the same as he did in the 70s. It's insane. Amazing, amazing. I really love this. It's, I always remember, um, it might have been in Father of the Bride 2, actually, where he's just... Oh, no, I think it is. It's fun. They're just playing basketball outside, you know, in the garage. Yeah. It's just that really beautiful kind of moment. They have these really nice motifs through through these movies. Actually, both movies as well, uh, with things like the basketball hoop and things like that, the relationship with the house. Yeah. I just think it's a very sweet movie. The sequel doesn't quite live up to the first one. No. But this first one is such a sweet little afternoon movie. It's not not like a rom-com. It's sort of a nice family comedy, but it's a remake of an old, I think, Spencer Tracy comedy as well. And and, and a prologue to the Renault Clio adverts of Nicole and Papa. <laughs> I'm engaged. <laughs> I'm engaged. I'm getting married. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my my. Oh so oh my. And that's your engagement ring, huh? Yes, yes. We got it at a flea market outside of Rome. The guy we bought it from said it was at least a hundred years old. Wow. So dad. Stop it. Say something. I'm sorry. What did you say? Dad, I met a man in Rome, and he's wonderful and brilliant, and we're getting married. I love that movie so much. Do you know what? It reminds me of a simpler time <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. you're not getting you're not getting hitched because put it on Instagram, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of like a time when you could actually release comedies like House Sitter with Steve Martin and oh, Goldie Hawn. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. So, Father of the Bride, absolutely worth checking out. Do you want to take us to Sunday, Miss Perfect? Yes, okay. The Proposal. This is five star, nine o'clock on Hang Sunday. On, we've gone from the wedding to the proposal. Yes, we have indeed. And this is Sandra. Bullock and Ryan Reynolds and this is you know do you know what a little bit later time wise that this came out still the same qualities of a good old fashioned comedy such a good movie isn't it yeah I really like this I really love Ryan Reynolds Um, he I know people like with Deadpool he kind of had this sort of resurgence Mm. again but actually do you know what if you go back through his sort of back catalogue of movies he's a great comedy actor there's some brilliant moments in this and and Sandy she's always great and (laughs) one of my favourite movies ever is actually a Ryan Reynolds indie comedy from 2005 called uh, Waiting Oh, okay. If you've never seen it, absolutely check it out. You're giving me a really good list. Last week it was The Duff. Now it's waiting. Oh, have you had the experience of The Duff yet? Not yet, not yet. You're in for a treat, miss. I did look for it, though. What is that? It's 9pm on Sunday uh, on Five Star. Yes, it is indeed. If you haven't checked out The Proposal, you just need a good laugh, a good comedy with some actors that aren't... You know, if you're thinking, I wasn't born in the 90s, therefore (laughs) I'm not going to go and connect with Father of the Bride, The Proposal is that kind of good middle ground between it. So, yeah, definitely one. So one more be quick about, because we talk about this movie often, and also we didn't have many options for why Monday. this is like one of my favourite five star movies out there I want to talk about it for the rest of the show so okay so I was, gonna, I was queuing you to tell us it, it's Sicario it's oh, on, I, was, uh, I was kind of leading in for you to kind of go shut up Bex we're, we're talking both, about Sicario again um, it's, uh, it's Sicario film for 9pm on Monday it's just it's the great cartel thriller of this last decade I, I know say. I mean I very rarely when I review films give a five star they really have to affect me in a, in a way and this is exactly what it did Benicio Del Toro um, Josh Brolin we've also got obviously Emily Blunt in this in it and I love the fact that she is the lead in this oh yeah and it's, she She's, she's brilliant tough. in this. She's, yeah, she's hard in this. And again, like with a million little pieces, they don't hold back on the gore, the grim reality of mm. what it is like in term for this subject matter, which is obviously the cartel. From the beginning, you are hit. If you get to watch this, if you've got a good 
sound system in your home definitely want the bass yeah you definitely need the bass you need to feel this immerse yourself in this tell everyone to shut up throughout it (laughs) and just get involved and actually do you know what it spawned a good sequel as well I really enjoyed Sicario we'll hopefully get a threequel next as well yeah fingers crossed so uh, Tuesday night then uh, moving on to what I think was the last Bond movie I properly outright enjoyed before Skyfall I don't even remember what happened in this Bond movie. This was... Well, they've been playing this as a sort of season. They've been playing the uh, the Brosnan ones one a week. This is the last good Brosnan one. <laughs> uh, it's also, coincidentally, the last Bond movie of the 20th century. So it's The World Is Not Enough. It's on ITV4 uh, at 9pm on Tuesday. Um, it is the one where uh, Pierce Brosnan goes up against a, an immediately post-Formonti uh, Robert Carlyle. Victor Zocas, a.k.a. Renard, the anarchist. He was operating in Moscow in 1996, Pyongyang, North Korea before that, and he's been spotted in Afghanistan, Bosnia, Iraq, Iran, Beirut, and Cambodia. Hmm. All the romantic vacation spots. His only goal is chaos. After Robert came to me, I sent 009 to kill Reynard. Before he completed the mission, Electra escaped. A week later, our man caught up with a target. He put a bullet in his head. That bullet's still there. I could listen to Judy Dench <laughs> all, all right. day long. That lady is a treasure. Worth, worth checking out that one. It was quite yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, I, I think I've got confused. The one on the ice. No, it's that's Die Another Day. That's, right. that's oh, 2000. That's the Madonna song. Ooh, I think. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, the World's Not Enough is also notable for having the unmitigated gall to feature Denise Richards as a nuclear physicist named Dr. Christmas Jones. Uh, yes, Dr. Christmas Jones. I do remember this You now. do remember I do, this Because I was now. like, thinking, what a ridiculous name. And then they actually <laughs> dressed her in the Lara Croft outfit not to be too subtle about it. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's for my money, that's worth checking out on Tuesday. So, Wednesday. You want to take us to Wednesday? Well, I do want to take you to Wednesday. It's called The film is called A Matter of Life and Death. It's on BBC Two at 3.30. I have no idea what this movie is about. It is the iconic, old-time movie that everything has been based on. It's one of those movies that features so much iconography, like 2001, that everything else across your lifetime has ripped off. Oops, that it's maybe like I should have watched this. Like <laughs> oh no, it's like, the, it's like the same way that like most people have never actually seen 2001, you know, all the way through. Yeah, but I would say that's slightly blasphemous, so I, I feel bad that that's I haven't like seen film, this. F- film fans have seen 2001, okay, that's fair. Fine. But like, you know, Joe Public does not really have the patience to sit and... I wouldn't. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, you know, if you are intrigued and maybe you're a new film fan, I mean, I mean that in the, with the mm. greatest respect. Maybe it's just something that you've gone, do you know what? I'm really totally getting into movies more I need to know my, my backstory oh that's it when that. you go into the history stuff then yeah, yeah but A Matter exactly. of Life and Death is absolutely one of those as well um, so like you'll you'll find iconic moments like the Big Lebowski in there and things right. like that and these are the bases that's BBC 2 on Wednesday afternoon at 3.30 nice so over to Thursday what you got for well me? an equally important movie in our history of filmography um, it is Men in Black uh, film for 8pm now I know that Men in Black did not international did not do so well at the box office no, this, it did not. this year so let's discard that one. Things don't quite work so well if it hasn't got Will Smith and Josh Brolin. I don't just think it's a movie you can't make Not, a sequel to. Was it to. Josh Brolin? It no, Josh Brolin was the no. young Tommy Lee Jones in the Tommy Lee one. Jones, yes. Yeah. So I was like, hang on, wait, something's not at right least, there. At least it's a logical mix-up. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's been so many since. The thing <laughs> is, this one is timeless. You can watch it again and again. It that is. moment where 
you know, uh, Will Smith outruns an alien and when they first realise that he might be the next person to join the MIBs. The whole thing for me is, is Tommy Lee Jones. I just think that it wouldn't work anywhere near as well without Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Apparently, the humour works brilliantly on this as well. You it, know. it does. Apparently, actually, getting Tommy Lee Jones to figure out what the tone was apparently was really difficult and he nearly quit, he nearly quit over it. Like, <laughs> apparently, he really is a curmudgeon. Let's move on, though, to Damn. last film of the week. And it's, oh. it's a classic, It isn't is a it? classic. We're just going to say to you, Tom Hanks... Oh, what this. are you going to... Tom Hanks, prison drama, shall we say, with a little bit of magic to it. A li- little bit, a little bit. So, uh, The Green Mile, 9pm uh, on Friday night on Film 4. This it stars the late Michael Clark Duncan oh. as, as John Coffey. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you a little sample. Your name is John Coffey. Yes, sir, boss. Like a drink. Only not spelled the same. Oh, you can spell, can you? Just my name, boss. J O. My name is Paul Edgecombe. If I'm not here, you can ask for Mr. Terwilliger, Mr. Howell, or Mr. Stanton, these gentlemen right there. Questions? Do you leave the light on after bedtime? Because I get a little scared in the dark sometimes. If it's a strange place. Genuine tears. I know. How, you and get, tingles. You get goosebumps, don't yeah. you? Yeah, when you oh, hear his voice. Brilliant film. Oh. You, th- th- this week has been great for movies, hasn't it? Like, well, it has, yeah. Yeah, I think there's yeah. so much to look forward to in it. There's loads of great movies. Something for everyone in there, actually, this week. So if you're not heading out, you've got a really good option there. The Green Mile just caps it off with a really strong it's end a nice to the week. nice cherry on top, the yeah, Green Mile. Love it? it, love it, love it. Welcome back to Offscreen, I'm Van Collett. And I'm Bex Perfect. So, uh, keeping it to the uh, the smaller formats then, the shiny discs, the uh, touchscreens, the tablets, we'll uh, see what's on home entertainment and streaming for the week. Yeah, then. okay, we're probably going to start with the biggest movie of this year, <laughs> this decade, this... Do I really care? Yes, of course I care. It's Avengers Endgame is out on DVD and Blu-ray, and I think... If you're ever going to watch this movie, you probably do. You, if you really if? want to, <laughs> well, I'm, I hate to say it, and please don't hate me for this. I am a little bit exhausted by Marvel. Wow. Yeah. You hear them? I know. I'm sorry. Are uh, you not you, getting your Disney checks? Well, <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm pro Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> I uh, I genuinely think that this is a movie that has to be seen on the big screen. I'll be intrigued to see how it comes across on the small screen. In some respects, unless you have a cinema-sized, uh, you know, TV in your home, but you know, for any Avengers fan out there, this is the ultimate end bookend to it. Uh, you know, you're going to continue end this chapter of Marvel, getting yourself ready for a brand new one, which obviously has kicked off already in the cinema. But I'm, I'm not going to lie, I actually did watch this the other day on a projector to 200 feet in my garden it was amazing my point is proven <laughs> for anyone who is a true fan this is yeah. probably how you're going to want to watch it I uh, you know for me it has been a decade of, of brilliant characters mm. so much going on in it for me I've always struggled a little bit with the Avengers assembled kind of movies because there is so much going on unless you are totally all over it and know everything about the characters quite hard, I find them quite hard to follow and to get to grips with so that's my only sort of gripe with this but it's a solid ending to the story as it stands at the moment so you will still enjoy this for me I thought it was this generation's return uh, this ge- this decade's return of the king quite, yeah quite and, possibly yeah and the thing I, I liked about it as well was it was a film that was it had 
all the stakes of being this end of ten year kind of end mm. of three phases of cinema, end of we changed the game a little bit kind of statement they've been on. But it also did take the time to be playful and experimental and had that weird three act, three films kind of structure to it. And, yeah. And and that end point, that full charge at the end is just Don't I Don't ruin it for people. No, I did not say what it was. Also, they've put it on Instagram. Oh. That's been on for months. That's been the ad on Instagram. Yeah, but if, um, you, if you're clever, you avoid all that stuff. What, Instagram? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now, from one uh, one top tip-top movie yep. to something that really... Oh, God. Isn't. I haven't actually been in the screening for a long time where critics have left. Really? Yeah. Critics left yours? Yeah. Wow, yeah. critics stayed through uh, the, the, the Sesame Street one, the Happy Time Murders. I, yeah, and wow. I was the only guy laughing in that screen. <laughs> I found that quite funny. Anyway, okay. no, 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 I didn't think it was that bad. Okay. The so, hustle, however. Oh, so bad. So bad. You would have thought when you're bringing in a particularly a comedic actress like Rebel Wilson, mm. she'd be able to deliver lines. I mean, I am bored of Rebel Wilson. Let's just put it out there. She does exactly the same thing in every single movie. She takes the mick out of herself in exactly the same way. It is boring and it's very tiresome. tired, isn't it? It's incredibly tired. And then with Anne Hathaway, you kind of go... Lady, you've got an Oscar. What are you doing? I mean... <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you what, hang on. I, I need, you know I, better. I need to hear this accent again. Okay. Tell me, Penny. Why are women better suited to the calm than men? Because we're used to faking it. It comes down to one universal truth. No man will ever believe a woman is smarter than he is. We will always be underestimated. And that is what we use. So this means you're going to teach me, aren't you? I'm teaching you now. Yeah. Wait, what was that last part? I, I couldn't hear you were talking into the ocean. I mean, I'm concerned that The Witches is being remade with <laughs> Anne Hathaway as, you know, as Angelica Houston's iconic witch, uh, Grand High Witch. I, I didn't. I was off when this got theatrically released, so I didn't get to go to a screening of it. And I, I saw this for the very first time a couple of weeks ago on, Voluntarily. A, on a screening link because I was with some friends. We were chilling for the night. And I was with uh, John, Don Kelly Colson, and we were just having a chill night. We we're having a Chinese, and we were looking for something to watch. We thought, oh, let's let's put a trashy comedy on. Like, what have we not seen? And we hadn't seen The Hustle. None of us had. So we watched it, and none of us laughed at any point in this movie. And yeah. I'm a fan of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the thing. They've taken that movie and torn it apart. This, unfortunately just doesn't work in any way shape or form there were no. a lot of problems with production i think it was delayed for a long time as well it, so this is chris addison's feature debut isn't it as a director Ooh, as God, well. he's never working again <laughs> which is a real shame because chris addison is a genuinely hilarious man well look this unfortunately fell flat whether or not it's the studios that have you know seen early screenings of it and changed mm. it around or it had to be reshot i don't know but it certainly didn't feel like it gelled together in any way. It certainly didn't bring out the best in either of those, you know, very no, well-paid actresses' does. performances. It just felt like a really lazy movie, which it, is it a does, shame. It does, yeah. Very, yeah. very, very slapped together. So, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll brighten us up with a bit of trash then. Okay. Okay, so let's go to stream. This is our streaming pick for the week. So, I'm Friday. I'm nervous about this title. Right, Friday, September 2nd. This is amazing. As a concept for a movie, you're going to be astonished they hadn't done this before. And there have been like a billion knockoffs since this came out. Okay. So, on Netflix for Friday, September the 2nd Hellfest which is this slasher movie set at one of those theme park horror nights you know when Thorpe Park do Halloween Fright Night Fright Night's kind of thing yeah yes. and it's exactly that it's a slasher I'm going movie this Night. year you're going to put me off going this year you've got to watch this movie it's insane <laughs> watch this movie and then go and it'll just heighten it for you it's so so much fun it's got uh, you know it's got sex 
Galaxy teams being carved up one by one. It's got a, a sort of masked killer with a distinct weapon. It's got Tony Todd making his obligatory cameo. I don't know because... why the words House of Wax have just come into my head. Oh, no. This is a lot more <laughs> fun and self-aware than that. Well, okay. not, not self-aware, but it's a lot more fun and engaging than something like House so of Wax. So is this a movie or is it a series? No, it's a movie. It's, it's totally a movie. A movie. Okay. It, it was a movie that was released theatrically, I think, at the beginning of last year here or at the right. end of the year before. Uh, it, was, it was quite good. I liked it. It's it's not like a you know Academy Award winner or anything, but it's it's a nice little. Would, would, it, would have this been something that you would have gone to Fright Fest to go and watch? I think yeah yeah this absolutely would have shown us something like Fright Fest. Yeah okay, and so probably would have slayed. No pun intended. But <laughs> See what you did there. No, actually, that was unintended as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you know horror genre are always traditionally quite hard to mm. to master in a way. Do you think it's done all right with this? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's bog-standard late 80s kind of canon films carve them up. You know, it, it's something that Menachem Golan would, or Wes Craven would have been involved in, oh, like yeah. when they were going through their particularly grisly, sort of trashy face. In fact, it, it's closer to one of those sort of, I don't know, phoned in, who is the director who cut his teeth on the Friday the 13th franchise around the middle point? I forget his name. Chris Cunningham, maybe? Something oh, yeah, like that. Chris Cunningham. But uh, Sean Cunningham, I think, something like that. So the kind of thing he would Chris have Chris Cunningham made. did music videos, sorry. I was thinking, so I, yeah. I knew it was a Cunningham. But they were creepy in themselves, so, you yeah. know, to be fair, there's a link. But that's it. Worth seeing. I had a good time. I, I got to vaguely engage with some forgettable teenagers for, like, 90 minutes, and then they got to them all get killed one by one. It was fun. Is there anyone, any big names in this? Uh, aside from the obligatory Tony Todd cameo, pretty much Rain Edwards from MacGyver, but that's about it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, I might um, check it out. I mean, it's on Netflix, right? From it, Friday the se- September the second. Exactly. It's like a ninety-minute thing. It's just it's Friday night popcorn fun. That's Perfect. what it is. Yeah. There we go. So next week's going to be an interesting one. Speaking of scary things, yes, it's a big scare fest next week. We've got it chapter two. I mean, I've been waiting for this for ages. I I'm know, me so too. excited. Can you believe to see it's been movie. two years since? Two no, years since. but do you know what? There's even the trailer for this movie. <laughs> sensing the the conversation that uh, Jessica Chastain's character has with the grandma, and in it's her prolonged house. in the trailer yeah, as well. And I it? just have these constant flashbacks of her as like a naked granny running across the back room so scary if this is done well this is going to blow your mind so stay tuned to hear what we have to think about it next week because we are going to be discussing this at length it is going to be the big movie of the our conversation is going to go on so long on that one it actually could fill the number of pages the actual novel did yeah I hope this is a big winner for Stephen King in the second round also for me personally it's got Bill Hader in it I know you do love Bill Hader it's got a great cast James McAvoy's in Jessica Chastain who I mentioned as well Bill Hader as you love um, and, and so much more so there's loads riding on this I mean there's even like a scary experience that's going on at the Waterloo Vaults here in yep. London none of us can get tickets because it just sells out in a flash but all for good reasons so Pennywise let's see what he's got to offer this time around so we've got all those to come and more next week off screen uh, I've been Van Connor. I've been Bex Perfect uh, you can be found on BBC Asia and Talk Radio I can yes. be found on BBC Oxford and Talk Radio <laughs> And me movies on Friday. And of course, we both have here. So, that's your lot for this week. That's seven days of movies. Check in next time. Listener.